Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about bloggers and podcasters in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and joining me today is Trent Wilkie, a writer, performer, husband, and dad who makes many things on the internet, including his parenting blog, The Undad. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Alberta Beer Festivals, producers of the Edmonton Craft Beer Festival coming up on June 3rd and 4th, and you'll hear more about that later in the show. So back to you, Trent. There's a ton of things to talk to you about, but let's start with the undad. So how do you describe it? At first, it was uh, a creative process, something to do to talk about, to try to connect with people. Um, But now it's therapy, straight up therapy. Uh, emotional expulsion. Um, and still, though, there's still some creativity in there. I like to have fun with it. Uh, but at the same time, it's more of a, an online diary. It's like a pure, pure blog. I swear in it too, which is very, very personal <laughs> to me, very special to me. So what is therapeutic about talking about the ups and downs of parenting and family life? Well, being a father, I find myself just reacting all the time like in a constant state of very little planning and just like trying to react. And the undad helps me collect it all and put it in categories and figure out what's going on and and what I'm actually feeling. Because most of the time I have no idea what I'm feeling. I feel like a snowball rolling down a hill. Uh, But when I get to sit down at night and everybody's asleep and the house is quiet, I get to go over it all and the things that mean a lot to me. And I usually end up talking through metaphor and analogy and bigger scope things relating to when I was a kid and really seeing not what my parents went through, but how I reacted to my parents, what, uh, as a person, cause I was, I was adopted. So my connection with people has always been a little, a little uh, different. I would say not off. It's always been a little different. Um, and my son is my first real blood relative. Um, so there's a lot of that dealing with it too, but mostly I think about my connection with, with people and the people I love and, and in a way, I get to tell them that through the undead and at the same time help myself out along the way, I think. So because it is a place of reflection and a diary, um, it's a very, it can be very raw mm-hmm. sometimes. How do you decide what's on limits, what's off limits? For me, there's personally, there's nothing off limits. Um, I try to keep it real, though. I try to keep it real. I don't complain. I try to focus on, if there is a problem, I don't harbor on the problem. I don't just sit in that little space of water and and, and float in that problem. Um, I try to figure out how I'm going to either not cope with it. See, it sounds like it's a very negative thing, but it's not a very negative thing. It's actually quite wonderful. It's like a beam of light in my life. It gets me me through a lot too. And there's also the connection to other people because a lot of people, more than even my journalism or my creative work, I've connected to people more intrinsically through the undead. So there's a sharing process as well. But it also gets me to move on to things and see things as chapters and, and parts of your life. Because as a child grows, you know, you're always talking about it, you know, 14 weeks, he's supposed to, you know, be able to make swords, which hasn't happened, by the <laughs> way. Maybe I'm reading the wrong baby books. But um, but there's these, you know, chapters and you, you, these milestones. And I see it as my my milestones as well um, as, as I grow and as I become, I don't know, I don't want to say better, a better father, as I become a more seasoned father uh, and husband as well. And most of it, a lot of it is about my, my, me and my wife's relationship as well. And mm. um, I find that it, it, it helps me to 
also see things from her perspective when I verbalize it, when I write it down. Because when you write it down, I know it's on the internet. I'm not nailing it into stone, but it's there. It's real. And once you press publish, it's there. Right. And you can go back and change it up all you want, but I try not to do that. Maybe that's the journalist in me, but, you know, <laughs> I try to keep what's out there, out there. So you mentioned that there's a tighter or a, a different reaction to this kind of writing than some of your other kind of writing. Talk a, l- a little bit more about how much more intimate your relationship is, say, with the undead audience than it was for your journalism audience or your performing guy audience. Watching my son be born was sort of a, a line in the sand of my life where everything beyond that is more real. Um, not because of I have a child or I'm a different person or that, because I am now responsible for so many more things. Guys, men, very few times in our lives are those things obvious to us. And that was obvious to me. And I need to be more honest to myself. I can't, I can't be lying to myself anymore about I'll deal with it later. You know, I spent a lot of time in the woods. I was a, a wilderness guide for several years, uh, upwards of 10 years. And I was beholden only to myself. And the one, the only truth that I ever had out there was that the, the wild is indifferent to me. It's indifferent. If I don't bring a raincoat, it doesn't care. Right. If I don't bring food, it doesn't care. I can go try to find food, but squirrels are very smart. <laughs> um, so there's this, there's this truth and that, that I find uh, in my life now, comparing my life to then to now, that this child is... I, I, it's just this, this idea that this is the real thing. Um, and you can put, you know, fancy paint on it, you can call it whatever you want, but it is a blunt instrument. And it is a staggering, staggering thing when you think about it. And I love it and I hate it. I'm, I'm afraid of it, yeah. but I'm just going to be real. Right. And... I want my son to see that. My wife has already seen it and she's still my wife. <laughs> so I'm doing something sort of right. But, the, you know, this, the, there's a, like I said, there's a reality to it all. And, uh, you know, the incongruity is stupefying. You mentioned uh, in a recent blog post that people ask you for advice, even <laughs> though it's not an ad- advice type. <laughs> like, because there are parenting blogs that are, you know, five ways to get your kid to sleep at night or whatever. And yeah. That's not what you do. No. But yeah. people ask you. So what's that like? Ah, it's great. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, to go back to my, I keep referencing my canoeing, my canoe guiding days, because that was the really only, I would take people out in the woods for weeks, sometimes a month, into nowhere, and I would keep them alive. Right. Now I've got this kid who, for, you know, I have to keep alive. Yeah. And I keep referring back to that. My skill set, I found when I was, when I became a husband and when I was in the city, very little I could apply. But with the canoe guiding and the wilderness stuff, I can apply this. So I go back to that source of information. And it usually starts off with, I don't know why you're asking me for advice. <laughs> um, there's no way to do it wrong and there's a million ways to do it right. Well, there's a way, sorry, there's, there's many ways to do it wrong. Uh, but I just think, I find it very flattering. Yeah. I feel like I'm part of a, of a, of a secret su- super underground team. <laughs> but, you know, I don't like, I don't get along with a lot of people. Um, I don't like a lot of people. Uh, my friend, my close friend group is very small. It's growing as I learn to experience other people's realities, I guess. But um, I like it, but the only people that are good for advice are the people that 
that you ask. Always be wary of advice for free. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. an old saying. Um, and that's true because, you know, sometimes people who want to help the most need the most help. And maybe somebody's trying to sell you something. There's nothing wrong with any of this. I'm not trying to besmirch any type of world or anything like that. But real, real advice usually comes at the cost of something. Right. Uh, what's it like to be in a car accident? You know, my wife was in a car accident. My brother was in a car accident. You know, what would you do different? Like, that's, that's advice to me, you know. Not like, how do I get my kid to eat bananas? Well, you buy bananas. Yeah. <laughs> you get a banana gun. It's a gun made out of bananas. It doesn't shoot bananas. Uh, anyway, you see, we're, like, yeah. it's just, I, I, I like it. I like it. And it gets me talking to people. And then I ask them stuff, you know. Um, but I am, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm bad at advice, but I do not put a lot of weight in um, just free advice. Well, and when you are, when, when you're walking around with a baby, mm-hmm. everybody kind of feels a license to tell you how to do it yeah. better, right? Oh, yeah, that's awesome, especially being a guy with a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you're holding it wrong. <laughs> what, what, where did this come from? I yeah. found this on the bus. I thought it was a, thought it was a gym bag. Um, but no, that's, yeah, it's, it's great. But it's, some advice is great. And you know what? Advice always comes from a really nice place. You know, it comes from a really, really, really nice little little area. I wrote a skit for uh, uh, The Irrelevant Show based on advice where a, a woman is giving another, a young mother advice about, you know, how to treat a kid. And it's a wealth of, a wealth of comedy, yeah. especially some of the things people say. Yeah. And you think, you know what, that person's trying to be honest with me. They didn't do it in a jerkish way. Some people think immediately, like when they, when they get critiqued on something that it's, you know, this is, you know, don't, don't, don't critique what I'm doing. It's going to hurt me. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't really bother me that much anymore. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind when people tell me what's up. Maybe because of your performing arts background. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about that. So you've done, you're involved in a lot of things. Yeah. You're involved in mostly water theater mm-hmm. and you write for the irrelevant show sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've done some web series yep. and all that. So what I wanted to ask you about all that is it feels like the means of distribution for art, for performing art is... Mm-hmm more accessible than ever, but mm-hmm. also noisier than ever. So what have you learned about succeeding in that space? Um, usually you have to forget about success. You really have to forget about success and you have to figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I wanted success. I re- it hurt me. I found myself in my earlier, like in the early uh, 2000s, um, not, I don't want to use the word jealous, but I wanted what other people had. And it was like, why not me? You know, so I worked harder and harder and harder and became more precious about my work. Nowadays, it's I know why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to meet people, to connect with people, to try to get out of the house. Um, I think I have a lot to say, but success is what is success? You know, like I got a free haircut the other day from uh, a company in town. That's pretty successful. I don't have to cut my own hair anymore. Uh, What do you have to compare you really just compare yourself against what you want. And that's basically how I go by. With that said about um, the accessibility to two things, I think it's wonderful and I think it really shows who wants to invest in it more. Um, because you can sit in your house and do whatever you want with your phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a quality to everything. And in, and. And if you write something that's good to be shot on a phone and it's good show, shot on a phone, then bravo, good for you. Yeah. I just went to um, 
the uh, pardon me, the, the Sundance Film Festival. And uh, I also host Metro Shorts at uh, the Metro Cinema. Metro Shorts is a, a short film festival. It goes on four times a year. Yeah. Um, but the quality was no real. There was there was one that stood out, and the guy was a genius. Um, but the quality was not really any different, you know. And this is Sundance. There's were, these were like Key and Peele were giving out the the awards for it. You know, this is these are big names. But there's no real real difference, intrinsic difference. When you get to the upper echelon, you're talking about movies, then yes, you need the millions and millions of dollars. But if you want to put together a short story, all you need is a good short story, right? And they'll want to work on it. So short story long, uh, I think that there is accessibility. Cream will rise to the top, but what is the top? I think that's a better question. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a a recalibrating of priorities when Mm -hmm. you are responsible for keeping another human alive. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Time, you know, time is the fire in which we burn. <laughs> Star Trek quote. And uh, it's still a priority. People are like, I don't have time for my 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 whatever. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. If you don't have time for it, then it's not a priority. Then I'm not saying cut it loose, but that's a that was that that's an easy answer right there. Yeah. You know, I find time for the undead because it helps me be a better dad. But if it was just something where it was you know, if I still wanted to be famous or all that stuff, I don't think I would, I would, I might complain about not being able to do it, but only because I see that dream dying. Right. And now I realize why I write, why I started writing when I was canoe guiding, you know, why I started doing this stuff. And it's a personal journey. It's a therapy. It's uh, it really helps me collect my thoughts. Um, and I think that it, that's, that's the important part of it for me. And that's why I continue to still be creative and still find time to do my projects. And I still have, uh, I have more eclectic projects now, more, more, more diverse projects. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I don't know if you can see into the future, but do you think the undad will change when your son is old enough to read it? No, I don't think so. Uh, and I know because I can see the future that right now I'm lying. <laughs> um, I don't think it will, but it will just by, by, uh, I won't say things differently, but I'll just have different things to say. Things will be more important to me. Um, by the way things are going now, it's going to be a different thing in the next few months, yeah. just by what it is. But I think the, the, the basis of your question is, if he's seeing it, will I want to not say things that he might read yeah. or things that might be too, I don't want him to know. Um, I think that the future is a crazy, crazy, crazy place. And I think that what is going to happen in the future, we have no idea. I won't want to change it. I'm going to say now that it won't change, but it might turn into something where I'm dealing more with me than dealing with that other side. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Now you also have a background in uh, in mainstream journalism. Mm-hmm. That's something that we have in common. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking as you watch mainstream newsrooms in the city shrink and and be smashed together and all that? Uh, I think the foundations right now of journalism are it's an antiquated foundation, in my opinion. Um, I think there's a few people who are making a lot of money that still want to make that amount of money, and the Art is suffering, so to speak. Um, it's 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 a weird it's a weird dynamic because you have journalists who are these individuals who will do it for nothing. We will always fight for money to try to have our quality of life, 
but uh, ostensibly we would do it for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, not nothing, but you know what I mean, right? Like It's a thing you're, you feel called to do, and at a certain level you kind of feel fortunate that someone wants to pay you for that, and as a result, journalists get paid less than other people that write for a living, right? Exactly. Um, it's like an artist who creates something and then feels guilty about, you know, being honest about how long it took them to make it, that type of thing. Um, I think journalism... First of all, if you're on social media, you are the media. When you complain about mainstream media on social media, you're just doing what the media does. Right. You're just creating a commentary. And people who are out there with opinions, saying their opinions, complaining about opinions, is great. That's what media is. That's what it should be. That's what, now we're talking about newspapers. You know, we're talking about um, that sort of metamorphosis, which is still cocooning and there's a lot of things I really want to say but I, I will I will I will say only insofar as to say that it's not working right now um, the quality is still there which is where people don't realize how lucky they are to still have a quality of, of journalism that's still there there are parts of it that are not quality mm-hmm. there are parts of it that are marketing and selling you something in advertorial ship and you might not know which parts they are, and you might think that that's actual journalism, but it's not. It's right. it's 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 trying to sell you something. Um, but the the base of it all, that emotion, that thing that you were just talking about, is still there. The lifestyle, I think, is the best way to put it. It is a lifestyle, and it's a choice, and it's a drive, and it's a that's still there. And I think people are lucky to still have that. Mm-hmm. There's people that still want to warn you about certain things and want to show you yourself in certain ways. And journalism has always been a mirror, or it should be. Yeah. Um, and I still think that's there. And when that starts to fray, when that foundation starts to crumble, then we're in trouble. Yeah. The building itself will always be there. It'll change. Uh, and it's changing now. But the people inside the building are what counts. Right. Um, so what projects do you have in the works? Oh, um, I'm working on two fringe shows. Good. Yeah. Um, which is uh, Mostly Water Theatre actually hasn't had a Fringe show in a long time. Uh, and we're doing a Fringe show, this Fringe, at the Garneau during the Fringe. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm smiling when I said that because I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I'm also doing a play with uh, J.P. Fournier. Oh, who nice. does the movie jerks. Yeah. Him and I are writing a, a play called uh, The Heaven's Gate Singers about uh, two priests who take their show on the road and they have songs and, you know, madcap craziness and tales. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm working on those two as well. But I'm also, I've been started getting on this short story kick and then there's the undad. And I have, the wonderful thing about being a dad is I have two hours for myself at the end of every day. Right. And I got to fill it. Right. Right. And I have to make sure that I'm using it properly. So, yeah, always always doing stuff. I'm, I'm doing a short film in uh, September October probably, but yeah, planning also is another positive side effect about being a dad. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of projects, but right now the the main ones are uh, the the fringe shows, uh, and uh, I'm also working on a fundraiser for uh, Christian Zip as oh, well. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, well, Christian and I have done fringe shows um, in. Uh, I don't want to start crying, so I'll just keep it keep it uh, short. Um, we had done fringe shows at the Black Dog. They weren't fringe shows, sorry. They were shows that took place during the fringe. Right. Um, and we did, um, Shel Silverstein wrote a, a play or a, a long form poem called uh, Hamlet is Told in the Street. It was basically just a rap 
that him and I performed, and it did really well. And last year we wrote um, the same sort of style, but uh, on the book American Psycho. So we turned that, and that did really well. And Christian, uh, a month and a bit ago, probably about two months ago, uh, he got meningitis. And um, so I thought, I won't go into that, but um, I thought, I thought, like, why not still use that time to have people get in there, support Christian, yeah. show him that we love him, and do something that he because we were going to do one this year as well. He would he would want me to do that, I think, um, and uh, to support him and his lovely wife, Trina, yeah. and because they've got a lot of uphill climbing to do. Um, but, um, yeah, to do that at the Black Dog, and the Black Dog has given us the room, and the Black Dog is so supportive of, they love Christian, and, you know, just the amount of support for that man. Yeah. It's like he should have been born with a cape on. He's just <laughs> such a super fella, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're, I'm doing that as well. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things going on. So when is that? Uh, not sure yet. It's going to okay. be during the fringe, okay. and it's called deleted scenes. So okay. basically, I'm going to write a whole bunch of deleted scenes from 80 sitcoms, like the Golden Gear Girls and Alf, and uh, I'll get people to just read a page. Oh, and you know, it'll be like a beatnik sort of snap your fingers type of thing. Just uh, you know, get a whole bunch of different people up on up on the night. The night will be different every night. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to happen yet because there's still some, uh, the fringe hasn't put out their schedules yet and stuff like that. So it'll, it'll be coming up soon. But, um, when I figure out when that is, I'll start spreading the word a bit more. Okay. we'll spread the word for you as well. And, and in the uh, show notes, we'll, we'll put a link to the, um, you caring page that's raising that would some be money. Awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much for doing that. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Okay. So we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk about some other things you want to plug. Yay. This episode of Seen and Heard in Edmonton is brought to you by Alberta Beer Festivals, which is putting on the Edmonton Craft Beer Festival on June 3rd and 4th at the Edmonton Expo Center. And I'm here with Dylan Stesek of Alberta Beer Festivals to tell us all about it. It seems like there's been a huge surge in interest in craft beer in Alberta. What do you think accounts for that? I think people are just starting to become more, more educated on what is available. Um, you know, five or ten years ago, you'd heard only of probably one or two um, big craft breweries um, as people started to realize what actually goes into the beer and that it is more of an art form. Um, I thought people started really uh, taking a liking to that. I've never been to a beer festival. What do people do at such things? It's definitely for people who are looking to find your new favorite. As well as having sampling um, with all the, you know, 100-plus breweries, we also have cooking with beer seminars uh, where we have chefs come in and kind of do uh, beer recipes on, on beer butt chicken, uh, a variety of dishes. We have brewmaster seminars. And then we also have uh, ATB Financial Beer University. Um, but it's um, education on the grains to glass. Tickets are available at albertabeerfestivals.com. And if people use the promo code KIDS, 15, they'll get 15% off the ticket price, and $4 of that will go to Kids Up Front. Why did you make that partnership with Kids Up Front? We've always actually had a good uh, relationship with charities for all of our events. Um, when we moved up to Edmonton four years ago, uh, Kids Up Front had been a good relationship that we had had in Calgary, and uh, we really liked kind of what they do. Thanks so much, Dylan. Get your tickets to the Edmonton Craft Beer Festival at albertabeerfestivals.com and remember to use the promo code KIDS15 KIDS to save money and help out a good cause. So we're back. So Trent, what local blogs or podcasts do you like? 
Well, as a general one the, that I keep up on is uh, The Movie Jerks by uh, J.P. Fournier and Sean Gramiak. And uh, that's just really fun. There are a couple of fun guys. You... I did interview yes. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll link to the to the episode that I did with them. They they are like the deans of Edmonton podcasting, yeah. and also so funny. Yeah, and they're sincere about it. They don't they don't pretend that they know anything more than they do. You know, it's not this nerd love in where they're arguing over who shot first in Star Wars. Yeah, uh, but it's it's a real it's an introspective look, and it's it's they they care about the films. You mm-hmm. know. And they're they say that they're jerks, but really it should be called the movie the movie teddy bears because they're cuddly. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. They were like the only jerky thing they did was make me watch bad movie. Everything else. Was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and when yeah, and did you get to do the puppy pile at the end? Because they usually just sort of cuddle into this big puppy pile at the end no, of it all. I'm jealous. No, yeah, I'm jealous. it was great. <laughs> there was no inappropriate touching. The hugs were a bit too long, but uh, other than that, it was uh, yeah. The movie jerks are great. Um, also, Grace and the Champ is a new blog in town. Uh, by Jessica Holt, who um, just just is great. Our yeah. kids hang out every once in a while, and um, yeah, she's doing. She's she's. It's just really neat. I like it. She has twins. She has twins. Can you imagine doing all this times two? Uh, no, no, because I'm not that smart, <laughs> and I would. Uh, there would be a lot more crying during this, like really pity crying. You know, like that shaky crying that you can't <laughs> understand. But yeah, it's Grace and the Champ, I really enjoy everything. But I think what Jessica would say and what you would say, actually, if you when you think about your parenting uh, experience is uh, you just do, right? But it's like totally. it, it's not like you have a choice. You can't say it's too hard to do one. I'm just going to look out or do two. I'm going to just look after one or I'm. I'm taking the day off from yeah. my kid. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember the uh, the day it dawned on me it was like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. And then there's that old, you know, uh, sing, not single trend, but old trend. It was like, yeah, you can just lay in bed all day. And like, no, that's gone. That's gone. No more pity for me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what advice would you have for someone who wants to blog about family matters? Have other people read your writing uh, before you do anything with it. Um, Writing is, there's a lot of writing now. Uh, and you can tell who went to university and you can tell who cares about their writing and you can tell who just wants to blog for the sake of themselves and all these things are great. But when other people read your writing, if you don't get your point across, they will let you know. They will, they will answer, they will ask you questions that show you that you may not be getting your point across. They might not agree with a certain thing, but that's fine. Like that's, that's up to you. But if you're not getting your point across, and if you don't have a point, I'd have other people read your stuff and don't be so precious about it, especially when it comes to grammar. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Words to live by, except the grammar thing. <laughs> my, wife, uh, my wife, Elizabeth, is, <laughs> is the, the best thing that's ever happened to my writing by far because she knows actually how to read. I don't even know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming and talking to me today. Thank you for having me. Be sure to visit theundad.com to read Trent's observations about parenting. And a good companion piece to that is mrsundad.wordpress.com, which is his wife's Elizabeth, wife Elizabeth's blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of point-counterpoint sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Undad is on Twitter and on Facebook, and Trent himself is on Twitter at ZTrentWilkie. And all these links and the recommendations uh, that uh, he made and mentioned will be in the show notes at seenandherdieg.com. Subscribe to my newsletter at seenandherdieg.com for a complete coverage of Edmonton's blogs and podcasts and for updates on the local podcast network that we're building. I'll be back in a week. Thanks for listening.